0: You'll find in John chapter 2 a little story of discord and a story of disruption. It's um, Jesus that has just shown up to the temple and he's created a scourge, a little whip, and he has overthrown tables in the temple courtyard and he's scourged the salesmen and The money changers are upset and the profits from the overpriced sales have come to a standstill and disciples are bewildered and the Jews are standing around trying to figure out who this guy is that has just given himself the authority to disrupt all of the daily activity. And in John chapter 2 and verse 19, you'll find this answer to the question that they said, what sign are you showing us? What are you you doing right now? What did Jesus, what what is it that your your actions are portraying? So they, they said, what sign are you showing us? And in verse 19, he gives them the answer. He said unto them, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. Destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it up. I just came with a simple message this morning for somebody that feels like destruction has come your way and devastation has impacted your purpose and your plans. God just wants someone to know this morning that he's on your side and he's working for your good and that what feels like it's been raised, God raised, I mean raised down level to the ground, God wants to raise it up. I wonder if someone would just lift your hands for a moment and invite the Lord to speak to us for the next few moments. Father, I am so thankful for the help that comes from you. God, I'm grateful this morning for how you've already moved in this place and Jesus for the direction you've already given and for the help that's already come. Father, this morning I pray that someone that feels like they have been sidelined and separated from purpose Jesus I pray that in the next few moments your glory would be resident in this room and that your God your presence would overshadow everything that happens for somebody or for some few people in the in this place this morning come amongst us Lord inhabit the praise of your people we pray in your precious and in your powerful name we'll ask it would someone just clap hands to the Lord and celebrated God that's able to do exceeding and abundantly above what we could ask or even think. We worship you this morning, God. We worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, you may be seated today. It was this answer that he gave to their question that poked Israel right in the heart of their pride. And you can understand their anger when he told them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up because the temple was the centerpiece for everything that happened among the people. They responded in anger and they said back to him, 40 and six years was this temple in building and wilt thou rear it up in three days? The emotion attached to this building was powerful. The temple piece was that centerpiece of their civilization. I I know how I would feel and I know how many of you would feel if you pulled up into the parking lot of CCC this morning and someone had just pitched all the chairs out in the dooryard. There's a nice little maritime word for you. Out in the parking lot, if the foyer had been emptied and instruments that were once on the platform were now piled in the heap in the middle of the parking lot, I think that we might get a little angry I mean, I get <clears throat> dismayed when I look out and I see that people walk their dogs. We, we like dog walkers. We like dogs. I don't leave what dogs leave behind on their walks. And sometimes when people don't pick it up, I, I get a little annoyed about that. I've asked some folks, would you mind picking up after your dog? Sometimes the response is favorable and... Sometimes the response isn't. It's just the way it goes. I, I can remember this past year coming into the foyer in the, the wintertime and someone had decided to pitch a rock through the window out here. And I, I, I know how that made me feel. I was a little uh, a little angry, a little upset, a little perturbed. You all look like you're okay with that. Let me, uh, let me bring it close to home. If you showed up in your driveway and someone had just pitched a rock through your picture window and that brick was laying on the inside, I think sometimes you might get a little righteous indignation, rise up. Does anybody else ever have that? Or is that just something I'm? God's really working with me about? <laughs> I I, I remember when hooligans had decided to tear up just the back field. They they didn't even touch the sanctuary. They didn't touch the building. They didn't break any windows. They just tore the field up. And I was chatting with someone about this in the last couple weeks. And uh, we've got some great farmers, some great local farmers that take care of our field back here. And, And we kind of have an agreement. If they'll mow it and collect the hay, they can have it. Good deal. And that kind of keeps it cleaned up for us. And and it was this one day that the, farmer, <clears throat> the farmers came to us and, and said, Someone tore the field all up. And uh, I tried to match the anger and indign- indignation with him. Uh, it wasn't quite at the same level, but you've got to remember, it was his tractor that had to drive through the ruts that someone had created. And it was his effort that was going to repair all the, the rows in the field that had been carefully... Um, taken care of. And, and now they were just big humps of dirt and mud. And, and he said, he, he drugged Pastor Matt and I out here in the side field. And, and he said, we need to call the cops. And I think I know who did it. And I said, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's called St. John. He said, I, he said, I think their vehicle still over at the Irving. So we left the field and we drove down to the Irving. Full agenda with police have been called. They have been dispatched to the field. And we are righteously indignant with him. And I remember walking around this little four-wheel drive truck that was absolutely covered with mud. He's like, I bet you anything that's the guy that tore the field up. And this is as far as he got. I said, yeah. Let's tell the police. Sorry, Brett, if you're here this morning. So we let St. John, or sorry, Fredericton Police Force know, and we left St. John out of it. Um, so they came, and, and the <clears throat> challenge was issued, and we thought for sure that we had the perpetrator. We had his vehicle. We just had to wait to get on. They they did the license plate search and got a hold of the guy, and he said, no. My vehicle's parked there. I came down to St. John. It's been parked there since I left on, you know, Thursday afternoon or whatever. He was in the clear, he had nothing to do with this tragedy. But I remember the farmer when he was going through the field, he's like, Tell him it's over five thousand dollars worth of damage. That's more than five that's that's a felony. Or I can't remember the is that a felony? <laughs> oh no. Oh. <laughs> he said that takes it to the next level. Yeah. Sorry, none of that <clears throat> is in my notes but uh, it's all true. But I remember, you know, that, that he was righteously indignant. He got angry about it, and, 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 and I get a little upset when I see some, someone that's not taking care of something that many of you have invested in their time and their talent and your treasure and, and that you've given to support this sanctuary that we've dedicated to God. So you can only imagine that when these Jews stood in front of Jesus, who has just toppled everything in the courtyard and he's piled up all their revenue opportunity and now he's telling them destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. Anybody that was talking about a destruction of the temple definitely would have their attention, had them fired up a little bit, had had them focused on him and, and he wasn't making friends right now but he was giving a clear message. Maybe they didn't get it, but it was going to be written down, and for us in the here and now is going to be something significant because there is times when the enemy comes to destroy. The enemy uh, in Israel, they had... Destroyed their temple in the past. They had precedent to be upset. They had a, a reason to be upset with this phrase by Jesus that destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. They had suffered destruction in their past. They understood the cost of construction, the cost of restoration. They understood that. But this place was more to them than just money, it was more to them than just the cost to build it. This temple was something that was attached directly to their heart. It was a part of their past. It was a part of their present. But now Jesus was redirecting the attention to something that was coming. He was letting them know in a very special way that the attention was going to be redirected to another tabernacle. It was going to be directed to another temple opportunity that the presence of God wasn't always going to abide like it had, but God was creating a new opportunity to understand. The significance of the temple, you'd have to look at the Old Testament significance of the tabernacle. God gave this instruction to Moses and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. This image in their mind of a tabernacle was an unforgettable, an amazing image that that God would lead them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, but it wasn't just those clouds that would would indicate God's presence, that the tabernacle in the wilderness was the picture of God's intention to dwell among them. The tabernacle reminded them that he would abide with them. That tabernacle was there to let them know that his presence was continually with them. God did not ever want to leave them. Bring that tabernacle with you wherever you go on that journey. And God's presence would be there along with it. God's established Purpose was in their hearts even though they were in transit and even though they moved from location to location, God's presence went with them. And, and as we pass down through Israel's history and their timeline, they grew as a people and established themselves as a nation. The land of promise, the people put down roots and prophets and priests yielded to kings and kingdoms and Saul's throne is passed to David. And it was in David's lifetime that it became obvious that the house of God needed to be established. It wasn't just to be a tabernacle that would move. Now that God had given them their land, David wanted to build God a house. But before he died... It was given the instruction by God. God told David, David, I'm not going to give you that opportunity. First Chronicles tells us about in chapter 28 and verse 2. It said, then David said, as for me, I, I had in mine heart, I, I wanted to, to build a an house for the rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made ready for the building. But God said unto me, thou shalt not build a house for my name because thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. So... David may not have been able to build it, but he certainly could prepare for it. And prepare he did. He, he had the location, the city, Jerusalem, formerly Jebus. He had conquered it with his army. The top of Mount Moriah, the former threshing floor of Arun of the Jebusite. It had been purchased so David could expand the footprint of that capital city of Jerusalem. And now in this location was where God was going to allow them to build him. A house. That house would connect the sacrifice of Abraham on Mount Moriah. It would, it would uh, connect that sacrifice that God had provided. He was the Jehovah Jireh. That God of amazing work and amazing providence would connect to the people of Israel. And the daily duties of the priests where the temple would be built would, would connect them so intrinsically to their past. And, and the purpose that God had for them. God would allow them to build him A house. Solomon was commissioned and for seven years the construction continued after David's passing until the beautiful building was finished and for 400 years it was the crown jewel of Jerusalem. It was magnificent in beauty. It was unparalleled in construction. It was absolutely and completely marvelous until, until Israel turned her back on God and because of their sin God allowed Babylon to come. And they were brought into captivity, but perhaps the most evident indicator of God turning his back on them was that the temple was destroyed. I understand that Babylon would want the treasure from the temple taken back to Babylon. I, I understand that they would want those golden, but, but, but it's, it's striking that they didn't want to leave the temple standing in all of its beauty and its magnificence why why wouldn't Babylon just say we're going to leave that erected and we're going to leave that complete because it's a testimony of our triumph it's a testimony of our our victory it's a testimony of us overcoming Israel but but yet somewhere in the heart of the enemy there's always a desire to destroy the temple There's always this desire that the temple would be completely and absolutely destroyed. And and you got to understand that the enemy, he may not even have understood it, but the spirit of Antichrist was always at work. That that spirit that opposed God, that opposed God's presence with the people was always at work. And and so they just didn't take the gold and they just didn't take all those vessels and and take them back to Babylon to celebrate the triumph. They were determined to destroy the temple. The temple was inlaid in complete waste. It was and toppled and walls pushed down and and destroyed and and just kind of everything of value removed from it. And then it was just a, a heap of rubble left of what was something magnificent and marvelous. Can I remind us that the devil's intention is always to destroy the temple. The devil still has a desire of destruction. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill and to destroy that's still his mode of operation that's still his design he opposes everything good he opposes creation his desire is entropy that everything just kind of flies to pieces he he just wants absolute and utter destruction the bible tells us what happened it said that they burnt the house of god they break down the wall of jerusalem they burnt all the palaces thereof with fire and destroyed all the goodly vessels thereof And for 70 years, the temple lays in waste and destruction, and people are in captivity in Babylon, and a few people are left behind to to mine and tend the fields that are left, the vineyards and the grapevines, and and there's kind of a few that are left behind. But but then 70 years passes, and God allows the people to come back. and, And when God's presence is at work, the temple is restored, and the temple is rebuilt, and and we know about Ezra and Nehemiah, and we know the, the work that they had on their hands and the work that's accomplished. And it's, the temple is brought back, and maybe just a, a shadow of its former self, but the intention was let's build God's house, let's restore the house of God, let's, let's build it back. It's still there. And, and then again, because of Israel's wayward ways and her intention to sin, destruction comes Josephus writes about an issue that happened in 167 BC the king of Syria Antiochus Epiphanes he says that he got possession of the city by treachery and he saw the riches that laid in the temple a rebuilt temple now but now the rebuilt temple is once again under siege it's once again brought to a place of destruction he it says that Antiochus Epiphanes he saw a great deal of gold and he proceeded to plunder its wealth and so he left the temple bare. He, the, the historian tells us, he said, he took away the golden candlesticks and the golden altar and the table and, and the altar and did not abstain from even the veils, which were made of fine linen and scarlet. And he emptied of it all of the secret treasuries and he left nothing remaining. And then the king builds an idol altar in the temple and he does the unthinkable. He places a pig on the altar and he makes a sacrifice and... And this picture of the end time Antichrist comes into, into play. And, and he, <clears throat> he compels them to forsake the worship which they have given to God. And he compels those <clears throat> people to abandon the covenant relationship that they had. And, and all of this happens in this time of destruction of the temple. It's the enemy's agenda to destroy the temple. And so it would seem... With all this history in Israel's past that the people would be upset when Jesus stood before them and reminded them of the temple destruction. He reminded them of people in the past and and so no wonder their ire was raised and no wonder they were a little upset. The temple, wasn't the temple the significant element that connected God to the people, why would this prophet, priest, why would this man stand before them and and begin to declare destroy or destruction of the temple? Why? No wonder they were upset with him. No wonder they were opposing him. But it's the enemy's agenda. It's not God's agenda. It's the enemy's agenda to always oppose and destroy the temple. The spirit of Antichrist is always at work in our world. It has been since the beginning of time. Cain is always going to oppose the excellent sacrifice. Esau is going to sell out his birthright. There is always going to be someone that is willing to to give up the thing that's precious to them. But there's always going to be someone who's willing to stand. There's going to be someone that's willing to say I'll be the one that's connected to the purpose and the plan of God it was even in that time of Antiochus epiphanies he said that even in that <clears throat> that king of Syria's reign when he opposed everything that was godly and everything that was good there were men and women that stood for right he said that the best men the noblest of those souls did not regard Antiochus but they did pay a greater respect to the customs of their country. There's people in those days, in those times, that, that they stood for truth and they stood for righteousness and they, they stood for holiness, that they stood in the midst of people that were whipped with rods and their bodies were torn to pieces and they were crucified and they, 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 they were still alive. They were, they, there was just, I don't want to go through it all. It's horrific, this, this story. And he's pretty, pretty plain about it. But in, in the midst of all of that activity that was opposing humanity that stood for God, People stood for God. Can I just remind us today that it's all right to take a stand? We're going somewhere. Just stay with me. We got about 10 more minutes that's left. That second temple, it stood for approximately, you know, know, 585 years before it was destroyed by Rome in 70 AD. But this temple, that second temple is what... Jesus stood in front of him, and we know about Antiochus and the work that he did in his destruction of the temple, or, you know, destruction of all the artifacts and elements of the temple, but it was Herod, King Herod, that had done this work of restoration, and he brought the temple back. So now the Jews were so happy, they were so excited about this restoration that had taken place, the work that Antiochus had done to destroy it. Now this, this earthly king had work to bring restoration, and he built the walls back and reestablished the footprint that was original. And so the people were understandably excited about that. Now Jesus stands before them and speaks about destruction of the temple. The enemy's intention is always evident, but what was Jesus speaking about? The tabernacle and the temple were a picture of the promise that God's presence would abide with us. The layout of the temple was a lesson of how to return to what was once lost. The the temple... And the tabernacle, it, it, it was a picture back to when Adam and Eve were pushed out of the Garden of Eden. And, and there in the garden, there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of, of life. And, and so when they ate of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were forced out of Eden. Why? Because they couldn't continue to live forever in their sin. We all already know that sin brings death, but but if they, in their sinful state, their knowledge of sin, were able to eat of the tree of life, then, then they would live eternally in their sinful state, and God never intends for us to live eternally in our sinful state, so what we look at as the expulsion from the Garden of Eden was actually God's intention to bring salvation. What it was was his desire for them to be moved out. They wouldn't have to live forever in sin, but he was going to Create an opportunity. So then he said, because that garden or the tree of life would would keep them alive, now he put cherubims and a flaming sword that would would prevent them from coming back to the tree. It was in that easterly direction. But when the temple, the temple and the tabernacle were powerful because when they were built, the door was put in the east. So if we go to the next slide, that next picture. It was, See, the picture in the backdrop is, is of the Garden of Eden, but now the, the high priest would come through that eastern place and he'd come westward and he would come through that, that outer courtyard and he would, he would come to the brazen altar and the brazen labor. He'd go into the Holy of Holies and the holiest, come on. He would go into those, those places in that direction. What was it doing? It was, he was restoring relationship with humanity to God. And so that picture, that powerful picture was, it meant something to, to Israel then. And Solomon's temple, when it was, when it was built, that next picture, <clears throat> Solomon's temple, when it was built, it was even more elaborate and greater in detail and greater in beauty and gold and, and, and embroidery and all those things. And that was the picture of, of the priest bringing the people back to God. So no wonder it was powerful. The tabernacle and the temple were a picture of God's promise of restoration. What was lost in Eden was restored partially with the temple and the tabernacle. So no wonder the enemy wants to destroy. He wants to. But now Jesus stood in front of them and he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. It was a message of contention for them, but it was a message... Of promise and covenant for us because we still have an enemy that is intent on destroying the temple however the temple now isn't one that was built with hands we still have an enemy that is intent on destroying your temple prophecy declares that it will happen again in the end time. That temple, that physical temple that will be erected, it will be destroyed. But, but until then, the enemy is at work destroying temples daily. We see him at work in homes where addictions have destroyed families we see him at work in lives where we build altars every <laughs> where where we build altars to every god but the one true living god in our lives sometimes we we go the wrong way anybody know what i'm talking about that we can build all kinds of all kinds of altars to the wrong gods in our life when something demands our attention i feel a, a little touch of the holy ghost right now so I, i'm just i'm just believing that god is talking to somebody when when we build altars in our lives to everything but god when it demands your time and when it demands your attention and it pulls your focus away from God's plan for your life, then that's an altar that somehow got built up and so we end up building all these personal altars in our lives, and, and the enemy is so happy when we do because it's, a, it's, it's pulling us away from the purpose and the plan of God. It's pulling us away from that divine design that God has for us because God intends for our lives to be a temple, not of our idols and not of our altars, but He intends for our lives to be temples of the Holy Ghost. God intends for our lives to be a place where He comes and He dwells amongst His people. He, he, God intends for our lives to be that place where his presence moves in maybe before we even start our day but but we realize God's power is moving and God's presence is calling his his spirit is lifting us it's encouraging us it's it's that that God's desires for us the end time enemy's agenda is to destroy the temples of the Holy Ghost he brings distraction entertainment it brings devastation. He allows people to get in debt materialism and people are in bondage to credit and people are so far stretched. He brings division in homes and comes between husbands and wives and children and their parents and, and the enemy just is always working to destroy the temples of the Holy Ghost He's opposed to worship. He's like Antiochus Epiphanes. He, he's opposed to holiness. He's opposed to everything that's godly. And, and so he will work every angle to, to ensure that your temple is destroyed. It was Stephen's last sermon in Acts chapter 7 that echoed. He said, how be it the most high dwelleth not in temples made with hands as saith the prophet. He doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. It was Paul that mentioned the same thing to those assembled in Mars Hill in Acts 17. He said, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. There there is this activity, there's this focus that the the apostles are are bringing. They want us to realize that our lives are temples of the Holy Ghost. The enemy's intention at destruction of the temple has not changed but now that destruction is in the lives of men and women physical devastation mental devastation families devastated churches closing shutting the doors why because he's desiring to destroy these temples someone say my temple Ephesians 2 said, said, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God has built us. We are the workmanship of his hand. And without a doubt, the enemy is still bent on destroying God's workmanship. But the little hope that I wanted to leave with you this morning is found in John 2 when he said, destroy this temple. And in three days, I... Will raise it up. You see, the enemy may be intent and bent on destroying your temple, but we have a promise that Jesus has a desire to rebuild that what the enemy destroyed. And you may have come in with defeat in your mind and on the forefront of everything that you can see about your own life. But here's just a simple lesson. The enemy may have destroyed your temple, but God came to let somebody know this morning, in three days, I can raise it up. It's just a matter of moments. It's just a, it's just a matter of a minute. It's just a matter of realizing that you don't have to live in the turmoil that you're living in. You don't have to live with the torment that you're living in. You don't have to live there anymore all that destruction, all that devastation that the enemy brought that isn't what God intends for you to live in he said destroy the temple but in three days I will raise it up, God has a desire to lift somebody up out of devastation and destruction this morning, that temple that you are, God said it never was intended to be destroyed, I'm coming to rebuild it, I'm coming to restore it, I'm coming to bring somebody hope and life, the enemy comes before to steal, to kill and destroy but i have come that they might have life god came to bring somebody life this morning we know we know what three days he's talking about we we know now we know that the death the burial and the resurrection was a three-day deliverance from bondage into freedom from darkness into light Three days from utter devastation and complete destruction to completed construction. How that, in that three days, you know, Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received. And wherein you stand, by which ye are also someones they saved." And you keep in my memory, if you keep in my memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I have also received, how that Christ died for our sin, according to the scripture, and that he was buried and that he arose again the third day, according to the scripture. That three day process was something that we can stand in today. And now the great news is it doesn't even take three days. Now it's today is the day of salvation. Because of those three days that he had of death, burial, and resurrection, because of those three days, now we stand in a one-day promise. We get to say, you know what? You don't even have to wait three days. Your life can be utter utter destruction. It can be absolutely calamity, it's just calamity. It can be absolutely destroyed. But in three days, I can raise it up. And we stand in the promise this morning that God can raise every life. That's been destroyed. Every temple that's been leveled to the ground. God said, hold on a minute. I did three days of work. And now the promise is yours. You can come into fulfillment. You can come into life. You can be restored today. Amen. Hmm. Coming back to the music. The miracle of restoration is ours. And it doesn't even take three days. You know, it's about time that some people realized who we are. And it's about time that we recognize the attack of the enemy. He wants to destroy every temple in the room. Look at your neighbor and say, he wants to destroy you. Come on, the enemy's intention is destruction. Just look, just look at your other side and get a little bolder and say, the enemy wants to destroy you. Everybody's being very respectful. We got to get a little angry at the enemy. I'd like just to do that one more time. But could we get as angry as the farmer in the field? (laughs) Could, Could we get just about as angry, what is it, the farmer in the Dell, the farmer in the Dell? Could we get that angry? say the enemy wants to look at your neighbor and say the enemy wants to destroy you if, if through history if it's the babylonian captivity if it's a syrian king if it's if it's rome in 70 a.d and and every time that that they took over israel and every time that they fell out of stand good standing with god that the temple was destroyed the enemy always wants to destroy the temple hasn't changed except now the enemy knows Who and what the temple is may be better than we do. And so his attention has been redirected to every life in the room. And his desire is to arrest the flow of God into your life and into your spirit because your temple's of the Holy Ghost. And if he can destroy the temple, then he doesn't have to worry about the Holy Ghost moving through your workplace. And he doesn't have to worry about the Holy Ghost moving through the grocery store when you show up. And he doesn't have to worry about the Holy Ghost showing up to the homeless or showing up in some place. Come on, he doesn't have to worry about it. He doesn't have to worry about it. So he desires to destroy your temple. But I came with a little promise for somebody today. You may have fallen, but a just man, a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. It's not over yet. It's not finished. The enemy may have brought you down, but God's about ready to lift you up. He may have pushed you out, but God's ready to bring you in. Come on. I wish someone would realize in three days, he will raise us up. It's about time for us to recognize that God came to give us life and life more abundantly. stand together I'm all finished but I wish someone would just let the Holy Ghost begin to flow I felt anointing in this room from come on just about one song in and and I believe that God's come to talk to somebody the lie of the enemy doesn't have the right to hold you the lie of the enemy doesn't have the right to destroy you the lie of the enemy is a lie Came with a little word of truth for someone today. Three days. Come on. Death, burial, resurrection. Repentance, baptism, spirit infilling. God, if you've got it, God's intention is to raise you up. I got a little word for the devil today. You find in Isaiah 31 it says woe to thee that spoilest for thou wast not spoiled and dealest treacherous, treacherously and they dealt not treacherously with thee but when thou shalt cease to spoil thou shalt be spoiled. It's just a word from God for somebody today that says when the devil showed up to destroy you that wasn't the end of the story. God's come to destroy the destroyer. God came to rise up and our midst and bring us hope this morning. someone get the words of Jesus in your spirit destroy this temple devil but in three days he's gonna raise it up he's gonna raise it up it's just a process I'm already on my way to deliverance I'm already on my way come on to become what God has called me to be I'm already on my way to renovation I'm already on my way to to being rebuilt I'm already on my way Destruction's not the end of the story for you life abundantly is the end of the story for you Come on, don't clap for me. I wish someone would just get it in your spirit. Somebody get indignant toward the devil. Someone get a little bit mad about what he's doing in your home or what he's doing in your family, what you see him in doing, doing in our community. Come on. Come on, intercessors. come on just pray one more minute somebody pray in the holy ghost somebody somebody touch heaven right now come on someone you know your your temple's intact you got you got your temple of the holy ghost someone just let it begin to flow God's been the God's in the Plan of rebuilding right now he's got he's got the plans the, of your life already laid out he's got the architectural spiritual design that he's intended for you and and he's about ready to raise you up he's he's about ready to to let you become everything that he sees he knows the plans that he's got for you this morning Come on, there's help. There's help this morning. There's help that's coming from the Lord. Let me just leave you with this. I, I'm going to invite, invite everybody to come because everybody everybody has work that needs to be done on the temple this morning. Everybody's go, they, we all go through seasons. Believe me, we know in the physical, the physical building, there's always work to be done. There's always renovation that needs to be accomplished. There's always something that needs fixed up, something that needs to be put back in place. But I just, I just want someone to know. I, don't, I hope the message got out. I hope it got through. But in, in the season when it seems like it's the worst. In the time when it seems like the enemy has just played the last card and and it's all over. God saved the best move for last. God's God saved his final action. It's it's Joseph when he's sold into slavery, and it's Potiphar's house, and he's put into prison. And it's that that that, that final scene when we think, well, there, there's another. Good man down. It's in those moments when all of a sudden it's Pharaoh calm because there's a dream that's got to be interpreted and God's about in one day, in one day, God's about to turn it all around and we're going to go from the jailhouse we're going to go from destruction we're going we're gonna to go from misunderstanding not knowing what God is doing with our life and just you meant it for evil but God and meant it for good God has been building all along God's been planning and preparing and God's got us in 2022 July just right where he needs us God's got you in a Sunday morning service with a simple message to let somebody know he's not finished with you yet Destroy this temple, but in three days, I'll raise it up. It's Come on, it's Moses. He's floating down the river. It's the one last chance we got. We're just hoping that Pharaoh's daughter will have pity, but God's got a plan to put a deliverer in palace. Come on, God's got a plan to allow Moses to be raised by the one he's going to deliver the people of Israel from. I'm telling you, God's got a plan. You may have meant it for evil, but God meant it for good destroy this temple but in three days God is going to raise it up. I'm wondering if there's anyone in the room this morning. We can all bow our heads and close our eyes if we want to but I wonder if someone would have the courage to say I just, I just need, I needed that word this morning. I, I need some word, I, I, I need that word about God restoring what's been broken I need I need God to restore what's been torn down does anybody in the room want to just kind of be honest with themselves and honest with God and say I'm going to come this morning because I need God to restore something destroy this temple but in three days I'm going to build it up. God wants to restore the temple in somebody's life. We, come on, we used to sing the song, building up the temple, building up the temple, building up the temple for the Lord. That, that song's been lost in the last little while, but God wants to restore that song in somebody's heart this morning. Someone just want to come and say, I, I got some brooks that are out of order. I got I got some rocks that need to be put back in place. My my foundation's a little unstable right now. The devil's been on attack mode. I, I've been under attack. I've been in the sights. I've been in the crosshairs. But, but God wants someone to know He's on your side this morning. I wonder if that somebody would just show up at the altar today. I, I wonder if that somebody would just declare, God, I'm here this morning. I I needed that word. I, I needed to know that you're still on my side. I I needed to know that you're still working for my good. I I needed to know, God, I needed to know. I needed to know that it's not over yet, it's not finished. I, I needed to know that God is working. On the restorer is restoring this morning. The altar's open. The come on, the altar's open. There's an anointing here right now. I, I can't describe it. Maybe you're not feeling it where you are, but, but I bet by the time you get to the front, God can begin to restore something. I, I think by the time you get to the altar, God's about ready to rebuild something in your heart, something in your spirit, something in your life it's a place of commitment it's a place of dedication it's a picture of that old tabernacle it's a picture of that old temple someone just come back to the altar come through the east gate come westward into promise come westward into hope come westward come come on come to the brazen altar come to the brazen labor come into the holy that holy place somebody come on in He comes he